You're listening to the Radical Disruption Podcast with Maya Nicole, nursing student turned multi-six-figure online entrepreneur. Here we talk all things real and raw when it comes to entrepreneurship and what it really takes to get to the next level. Leave the small biz talk at the door and buckle up for the tangible, tactical, and actionable steps that will help guide you in building a disruptive business. Let's dive into the show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Radical Disruption. In today's episode with Jen Hartman, we dive into all things media pitching. Jen is the CEO of Neat, a leading boutique PR agency where she has revolutionized the industry through her strategic guidance and unwavering dedication. Since Neat's launch in 2019, Jen has advised a diverse portfolio of 280 brands, ranging from ambitious startups to billion-dollar companies. Under her guidance, her clients have achieved remarkable recognition, gracing the pages of prestigious national media outlets such as Bustle, Business Insider, Reader's Digest, and Harper's Bazaar, among many others. Armed with a bachelor's degree from Bellarmine University and an MBA from Lindenwood University, Jen's exceptional leadership has firmly established NEAT as a trailblazer in the world of public relations. Let's dive into the episode. Hello, and welcome back to another episode. I have Jen here with me, and I am so excited. We were just chatting for a few minutes before I hit record, and it's like we're already besties. I was just telling her, I was like, it's so funny that we're having a conversation right now, and this is like the first conversation. I mean, we've direct messaged each other, but like first, like kind of face-to-face, face-to-face being over you know, video camera still, but it's weird that, like, when you follow someone on social media, you feel like you know them, but, like, you don't actually know them, and so, anyways, we are just chatting about how social media is funny in that way, but thank you so much for being here, Jen. I'm super, super, super excited to chat with you. And I am equally as excited to be here. Okay, the first thing that I want to start off with is you, obviously, because this podcast episode is all about you. Um, and the wealth of knowledge that you are. But tell me a little bit more about your journey and your background and how did Meet the Agency, how did that come about? I love to start my story in 2019 when I was working in corporate America. I had landed my first corporate job and I was so excited to be there. I went to business school with the full intention of just working my way up the corporate ladder. And I got there and though the, the job was a dream, The environment was maybe more of a nightmare. (laughs) I unfortunately was a victim of sexual harassment and bullying, and it wasn't an environment where I felt like I could really thrive. So after kind of going through this and talking to HR and talking to my boss, I realized that this wasn't going to get better. I just needed to leave. So Nate actually started as my out from corporate America because I thought, well, if I can't I find, yeah, I was like, if I can't find a better paying job or a different job, I am going to just start my own business. How hard could it be is what I thought when I was first getting started. <laughs> and anyone who, anyone who's listening, yeah. you know that it is incredibly difficult. And at that point in time, at 24, I was very naive. I really did not know what I was getting myself into. But I am so glad that I did go down this path because I've learned so many lessons in the process. So by about 20, when was it? It was like my last day of corporate was December 31st. And then my first full-time day of NEAT was January 1st. 
2020, so just a few months before COVID, had no idea what was really coming for me, if you will. And so COVID hit in the States March 2020, and I saw so many businesses shutting down, but it actually had the complete opposite effect on my business. My business blew up during COVID, and it's because I was supporting so many small businesses. And at that point in time, people were either working from home and they realized they had more free time to pursue their passion, to pursue starting a business, or they were getting let go from their jobs. And they had the thought of, well, I'm going to build my own business and make this work. And so I was getting a lot of clients. And I think without COVID, I wouldn't be where I am today. COVID really jumpstarted things for me because before that point, I would find a client here and there. I was taking a lot of people on coffee dates. I was really tapping into my network, but I wasn't seeing consistent sales like I needed to have to justify leaving my corporate job. But with COVID happening, I got a lot of clients during that time. And then, of course, it kind of leveled off and I stopped seeing that insane growth that I saw in the beginning of COVID. And then I actually went through kind of a pivot. So in the beginning of my business, because I was a one-woman show, I was doing a lot of coaching and consulting when it came to marketing. And then I saw such a demand of done-for-you services. So we added in marketing, done-for-you services. We added on PR. We added on creative. So we really expanded to be more of a full-service agency from strategy to actually implementation and then reporting. So it's been quite the journey over the last couple of years. Our team has grown significantly. We have, I don't even know at this point, 15 employees slash contractors. Yeah, we have 16. It's probably going to be different by the time this episode comes out because we are growing quickly. We have worked with almost 300 brands since 2019, and our clients have been featured through major publications like Forbes, CNN, Fox, Travel and Leisure, Bustle, Pop Sugar, Harper's Bazaar, basically any major publication our clients have had features with them. And we are currently in the process of launching a physical product, which I know is a bit odd. You might be thinking, well, Jen, like you're an agency. Agencies don't do physical products. Well, we are. A lot of agencies will do a webinar or a masterclass, but we realized that people learn very differently nowadays. Attention spans are much shorter. So we created a PR power play deck. It's a card deck consisting of around 50 cards with different categories, but it's all of our agencies, PR tips, tricks, theories, templates, everything you need in order to get millions of eyeballs on your business is going to be in this $97 card deck that comes out here in just a couple of weeks. So we're really excited about that. Um, We're also in the very early stages of acquiring another agency. So we're going to be growing in a very, very big way, hopefully in 2024. So that's kind of neat from 2019 to present. That is Amazing. I'm like, there's so many things I want to unpack here. Wow. Okay. I think the first place that I want to get started is with PR. So when you say PR, and I feel like for me, when I first came across like PR, I was like, what does this actually mean? And so when you say like, oh, Neat is a PR agency, what does that actually entail? Like, I just think like, oh, PR is just, it's just kind of one of those terms that's like thrown around. But it's so important, but I don't think that a lot of people actually know what it is. That is a great question. And we see this with a lot of prospects we talk to as well. And a lot of people even overlap PR and marketing or they use the terms interchangeably. So I totally understand the confusion or lack of clarity around what PR actually is. So how we like to describe PR is how the public is perceiving you. It is your reputation. 
And with PR, it's very top of funnel as well, right? If you know what a sales funnel looks like, you have top of funnel, mid funnel, bottom of funnel, bottom of funnel, people are making a decision. Mid funnel is where you're really building a relationship, but top of funnel is where people are first discovering you. And so that's what PR is. People are discovering you through a media feature. Maybe you're in Forbes or maybe you're in a local news outlet talking on the news for a couple of minutes about your business. It could be through influencer partnerships, or maybe you're partnering, maybe you're a solopreneur and you're partnering with a larger brand for some sort of collaboration. It could be a podcast interview like this. So just think about how people are first discovering you. And I like to kind of put that in the PR category. I love that. So when it comes to media, obviously there's a bunch of different types of media. For someone who, because the majority of the people in this podcast audience are people who are small business owners, a lot of them are at the beginning stages of their journey, and they hear you say things like, and I I felt this way too when I heard more about PR and like marketing, and you're like, oh, like Forbes, and it's just like, that seems so far away. That seems like so unattainable for me. So do you recommend, like, is there kind of like stages of going through PR based off of like where you are in your business journey? Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a great question. And I will say no, because we have worked with small brands that were making less than a million dollars a year and did not have any PR. We came in to support them and got them into Forbes. And a lot of it just depends on the story that you're pitching. Say, for instance, I'll give you an example that we did recently during the Maui fires. We were working with an incredible female founder. She was in charge of an emergency management company. They would come in and support either national parks when there were fires or actual businesses when there was some kind of like internal emergency, maybe schools with a shooting. So anytime you think of an emergency, she would be involved in that. And she did it both on a national scale and a small scale. She worked with private businesses. She worked with public really had some great experience. So the Maui fires happened a couple months ago and we saw an opportunity for her to come in and serve as a guest source for any journalists who are writing about the Maui fires. So she was featured in Forbes along with a couple of other publications, not having any PR coverage before. So that part was pretty cool. Small business owner, but we were able to get her some national coverage because she was able to serve as like guest expert. So you don't always have to start small. If you see a fit and you are someone who is an expert in that industry and who can be a source, go for it. Absolutely. Now I will say lead with credibility. If you are going after those bigger publications and you want to be a source, you have to know why you're credible and what makes you a bit different from other people who are pitching at that time. But if you want to go after low hanging fruit, say you are a new business owner, maybe you don't have that credibility yet. That's okay. You can guest blog for other people in your industry or other brands in your industry. That's a great way to build up SEO. You can do Instagram lives with other founders, either in your industry or industries that kind of complement yours. So say for instance, you run a social media management agency, do an Instagram live with an agency owner who runs a creative agency or a PR agency, because you're going to tap into a new audience. You're going to reach new people. And then by attaching yourself with that business, you're also building up your credibility in the process. So I would say like, if you're new, go on as many Instagram lives as you possibly can, whether you're hosting them yourself, or if you're asking somebody else to host them, pitch yourself for as many podcasts as possible. Just work on getting your name out there and building up that SEO behind you. So then at some point, if you're like, yeah, you know what? I do feel comfortable and I feel like I have enough behind me. I do want to go and pitch Forbes. 
if that journalist goes to look you up, they will see that you have an entire first page of Google with information about you and what you've done in the past. But again, I'm going to come back to you. It doesn't matter. And you can start with Forbes. You can start small, but start somewhere. Yeah. I think a lot of people are so afraid that they like are paralyzed to pitching them. Like it's kind of like selling. A lot of people are really uncomfortable selling themselves, selling their product. And pitching is the same way. It feels very uncomfortable to pitch yourself because it's like, look at me. I'm great. I'm credible. You know what I mean? It feels so uncomfortable to talk about yourself in that way. But that is the only way to get yourself out there is to just start pitching and start to ask to be a source. I feel like, okay, first off, that was like the best possible answer. Mic drop. I'm like, we could end right there. That was so good. I feel like from what I hear you saying, it's less about like the exact media types and more about the pitch. So let's talk about that. And I feel like that is honestly, in my opinion, one of the most daunting things when it comes to media, whether it is, whether you're pitching for a live Instagram video or whether you're pitching Forbes, like you're still pitching yourself. And like you said, you're putting yourself out there. You're saying, hi, like in a sense, you're saying like, hi, look at me. I'm so great. Like, you know, like obviously there's more to a pitch than that, but like you do have to, you know, brag about yourself a little bit because that is your credibility. Right. And so let's talk about that a little bit more when it comes to media pitching and maybe even just talking about, I don't know if there's like your top three favorite medias in terms of pitching. Like we can talk about how to pitch in each of those. Um, Cause I know that like, obviously pitching someone for an Instagram live is going to be so different than pitching Forbes, for example, or pitching for a podcast. Yep. 100%. So let's talk about the pitch itself. Now I would say regardless of if you're pitching yourself for a live, for Forbes, for a podcast, you're going to see similar themes. So number one is going to be credibility. What makes you a credible person to speak or to be interviewed for that specific platform? So credibility is really important. And I think a lot of people get a little caught up in the credibility part and they automatically go to revenue. And it's amazing. I think it's great if you've reached six figures or seven figures. But what I would say is no one else in your industry is making six figures. No one else in your industry is making seven figures. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to lean into credibility and figure out what's going to make you stand out, it should be something that no one else is doing. Yeah. So most of the time I will say like skip revenue unless you really are making an ungodly amount of money or if you've raised an ungodly amount of money. If you have raised $50 million in your first year, like that's pretty incredible. And I would add that into your pitch. But most of the time, journalists just don't care. Podcast hosts don't care. They don't care about revenue. They they want to go a little bit deeper. So if it's not revenue, what is it? It might be the number of clients you've served. If you've served hundreds of clients or thousands of clients, that is huge. And that makes you really credible. It helps you to stand out. Maybe you have like specific testimonials. Like I have helped this person do this. I've helped this person do that. And even this person did this. Like adding that for credibility is really huge too. Yeah. Maybe you've partnered with some really massive brands. Like maybe you're a content creator and you have done partnerships with like Walmart, Amazon, really big makeup companies or fashion brands. That is huge. If you can add in other big names that you are attached to, whether it's celebrities, if you have a product-based business and your product has been featured on celebrities or athletes, or maybe you sell your product in Amazon or sell your product in Walmart, or you're a content creator and you've done brand deals with bigger brands, add in those bigger names because they serve as a credibility point for you. 
if you are a product-based business and you're an Amazon and you have thousands of reviews or hundreds of five-star reviews, that's going to really help. So start to think about what you have that nobody else has. I just spoke at a summit a couple weeks ago and I was up on stage and I was talking about like revenue doesn't matter. And like there were a lot of product-based brands in the audience and I'm like a natural product doesn't matter. If you're like, oh yeah, my product is all natural. My food is all natural. My food doesn't contain any chemicals. And it's like, well, in 2023, I would hope that you're not poisoning people. (laughs) But it was like, it was like, come on. Or even the fact of like, I care about my clients. Like really? So what you're telling me is none of your competitors care about their clients. Yeah. Or like, we believe in integrity and honesty. You have really, that's, that's what you're going to stand on. So really start to peel back the layers of your credibility and go from there. I guarantee you, if you sit down and really think about it, it's probably going to take a little bit for you to come up with a solid answer on what makes you credible and what makes you different. That should be closer to the top of your pitch. Now, I love an intro, right? Like, hey, so-and-so, hope you're having a great day. I just read your series on X, Y, and Z, and it really resonated with me. I would love to kind of talk about an opportunity to become a source for your publication. By the way, my name's Jen, da, 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 da. Here's why I'm credible and here's why I'm different. Yeah. From there, again, regardless of what you're pitching, podcast, media outlet, you want to include some story ideas or Instagram live ideas or podcast episode ideas. I like to say three to four relevant story ideas or topic ideas are going to go such a long way. And make them relevant to the journalist or the podcast host. I can't tell you how many pitches I have gotten as a podcast host that were like just so far off from anything I've ever talked about before. It really does pay to do your research. I know it's a bit more time consuming, but you're going to see more responses if you are thoughtful in your outreach. So take the time to check out what they've talked about before and create episode ideas accordingly or story ideas accordingly. From there, I love a call to action. What do you want this person to do? Do you want them to call you, text you, send a carrier pigeon? Like what exactly are you looking for them to do and how do you want them to respond? So that is like the basic outline of a pitch that's going to work for any outlet or any medium you're going after. I love that so much. And I mean, I don't say this because I'm like, oh, I'm so cool. But like, I mean, because I have a podcast, I do get pitched for sure. And there are pitches where like immediately, like sometimes I won't even open the email just based off of like the subject line alone. Sometimes I will open the email and I'll read literally the first like two sentences and immediately like delete the email. And then there are those emails where like you can tell that they actually took the time to get to know my, like, for example, my podcast and like my audience. And like, you can tell like almost right off the bat, like even just skimming it, I can tell whether it's just a copy and paste message that they've sent to, you know, five other podcasts or even probably 50 other podcasts. And so just taking that time, like you said, Jen, is so important to make it a little bit more customized to whatever it is that you are pitching or whoever it is that you're pitching. So I love that so much. Now, when it comes to pitching, there's definitely a right way to do things. And I wouldn't say there's necessarily like a wrong way, but there probably is like a wrong way to do things. But what are some mistakes that you often see when it comes to pitching where you're like, no, like either red flag or like, don't do that. (laughs) There are a lot. So I will try to keep this short and sweet. But one of the biggest mistakes I see people make is They make it too much about themselves. It's like Mm -hmm. me, 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 me. And like, we, I know you're great. I know you're a special snowflake, 
but the journalist or the podcast host does not want to read a full thesis on why you're so amazing. Yeah. Keep it short. Really just like two sentences goes such a long way. Can I interject here for a second? How do you balance then the credibility where you're talking about yourself and you're saying, this is why I'm different. This is why you should bring me on, but also not talking too much about yourself. Yeah. It's an elevator pitch. If you meet somebody at a networking event, are you going to stand there for five minutes talking about how great you are? No, you're going to be like, I'm Jen. Here's what we do. Here's, here's why we're different than other agencies. It's going to be so quick because you're going to lose that person's attention very, very fast. And it's the same with journalists. They care about why you're credible and you can talk about why you're credible in two sentences or three sentences. It does not take any more than a couple of sentences to explain why you're the perfect person to serve as a source on whatever story they are working on or going to, they're going to be working on. So short and sweet. It's kind of like a resume, right? When you get a resume, you skim it. You don't sit there and you read like every single detail within it. So short and sweet is going to be so much better. I see a lot of people who will try to do three to four paragraphs of information about themselves. That is just not necessary for a journalist to make a decision on whether or not they want to work with you. If they want more information, they will ask for it. They have asked us, hey, our interest is peaked. Can you send us a little bit more information? Can you send us this person's bio, their website, this, that? And like, we have sent them the information. You kind of want to lead the journalist or the podcast host wanting more. Enough Mm. for them to ask for it, but not so much that they have everything they need to like get going. Yeah. So that's one mistake is just too much information about you and why you're just the bomb.com. <laughs> My age is showing. It's fine. <laughs> the other mistake I see people making is the credibility point, which I kind of touched on before is like they lead with things that don't make them credible or don't make them stand out from their competitors. They automatically lean into like, hi, I'm a seven-figure business owner. And it's like, okay, like the journalists get pitched dozens of times every single day. They've probably seen a dozen pitches that start that way. So try to switch it up. The other mistake I see people making is they are sending pitches to the wrong person. And you could have the best pitch in the world, but if you're not sending it to the right person, it's never going to get seen. So you'll want to avoid email addresses that are like info at media.com, info or sales community at, you want to go straight to the journalist and send them that pitch. Even if it means going to LinkedIn, connecting with the journalist and asking for their email address. We have done that before too. Sometimes if you go to an article they've written recently, you can click on their bio and their email will actually be in their bio, or Mm -hmm. you'll be able to connect over to their LinkedIn or their Twitter and grab their email from there. So they're usually very, very available. Um, and it just takes maybe a minute of your time to go digging yeah. to find it. And it's going to be so much better than sending it to like info at or PR at because it'll never get seen. It just sits in a graveyard full of emails that look very similar to yours. Yeah. Okay. So I would say the other mistake is not giving story ideas. You're making the journalist job easier or the podcast host job easier if you're providing story ideas or podcast yeah. episode ideas. Then they can really start to imagine themselves having a conversation with you and what questions they would ask you. I love that. So now I'm thinking to myself, okay, we we understand how to pitch now. Mm-hmm. We And you just ran through how to find the person to be pitching. Now we've pitched them. What if they're not responding? 
how how do we navigate that? How many times do we follow up? Do we follow up? How do we follow up? What does that all look like? That's a great question. I also realized my answers before were like the opposite of what I said for a good pitch, but I feel like we're really hitting it home here on like what's good and what's bad. But I love it. <laughs> anyways, when it comes to following up, people are busy, right? Journalists get tons of pitches every single day. Sometimes they pass over pitches. They'll add it to a separate folder and come back to it later on when they're ready to write something about you. I like to say follow up a couple of times. It's okay to follow up. You're not going to get like blacklisted from their inbox. They're just going to be like, oh yeah, thank you so much for following up. Actually, we've secured quite a bit of features from the follow up. And what you can do is you can just take the original email and do like an RE, like original Mm -hmm. subject line in there. You don't have to like create an entirely new pitch for them. So make it really easy on yourself. You can just say simply like, hey, so-and-so, like hope your Tuesday is going well. Um, I sent this over last week, but wanted to bump it to the top of your inbox. Let me know if you have any questions. Like short and sweet and simple. And then they can see the original pitch below in case they skipped over it. You can always send a LinkedIn message. I always say pitch via email first, but yeah. connect with them on LinkedIn and be like, Hey, I just sent you a pitch. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it. I love that. Connect with them on Instagram and like their content, support them because what's going to happen as you're building a relationship with them over social, when you do pitch them more and more and more, they're going to be like, wait a second, this girl likes all of my LinkedIn posts. Like I know who this is. They can put yeah. it with the pitch or a face with the email. So I always recommend going the extra mile and start to build that relationship outside of your email inbox. Something that you hit on really briefly was the subject line. And you said, you know, re if you're following up, what about the first time? Cause obviously like the pitch itself needs to be good. But I, even as I was saying, like sometimes I don't even open people's messages just based off of like their subject line. How do you approach that strategically? Yeah. So our little hack that we typically do is we take the first story idea or the first like episode idea and we use that for the subject line. Ooh, that's juicy. I love it. <laughs> and that usually gets a lot of attention because it's not like a, it's not like a story idea. Like they get so many emails that are like story idea or like, I want to be featured in like this publication. Like this actually stands out and it gets their attention And then again, when we do like the RE, like we still use that original kind of subject line that we used before because it's, it's interesting. And a subject line should give you a hint as to like what is in the pitch. Yeah, for sure. Something else that I'm super curious about, because obviously with, you know, pitching and being, whether that's, you know, an Instagram live or a podcast or media publications, things like that, the whole point of it is visibility, but is there a strategy, and this is probably a whole big deep conversation, but um, is there a strategy behind like how to leverage that visibility? So let's just say that you are, you know, pitching Forbes and they decide to use you and they feature you inside of Forbes. Like, is there anything that you should be doing with that publication to then drive traffic to your business? Like, like I'm just thinking, you know, with uh, people who create like eBooks, for example, like the last page of their eBook has like maybe a link to like another offer that someone can purchase. Like when it comes to like a blog post, especially like if it's not like a featured blog post, but just like a blog post that you would have on your website, someone at the bottom might say like, hey, if you want to learn more about XYZ topic that we covered inside this blog post, I actually have a course on that. Like, how does that work? Or does it not even work in that way? Does that make sense? 
It, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And it just depends on the outlet. It depends on the medium as yeah. well, because some will not allow for like heavy self-promotion. Some just yeah. want to use you as a source. But I always like to say, send over your website, send over your bio, send over a headshot. You're doing yourself a disservice by not send, sending that information. Oftentimes what will happen for like major, major outlets like Forbes is they will like link back to your website. So you can go to your Google Analytics and see what kind of traffic you are getting from that Forbes article, which is great. Now, when it comes to things like podcasts or Instagram lives, I would say always promote some sort of freebie and build up your email list because people love free stuff, right? And so what you can do is you're bumping them from top of funnel to mid funnel, and then you're really starting to build that relationship over time with them. Now, sometimes gift guides will actually link an affiliate link. So they'll have like an affiliate link, it links over to the website, and then the journalist will get some kickback from every single purchase. That often happens around major holidays like Christmas or Mother's Day or Father's Day. So if you have an actual physical product, you can easily track to see which outlet is driving the most sales. I love that. Now, obviously you do this as an agency for your clients. What are like the and again, this might not be, there might not be an answer, a specific answer to this, but who do you pitch? Or like, I guess, what mediums do you pitch the most for your clients and why? Ooh, okay. So there's not a, like a, a typical answer for that. It's really going to depend on the client, on their product and on their goals. Okay. So for example, we had a client who acquired another travel firm and she Mm -hmm. really wanted SEO out there. She really wanted articles out there because when you went to type in the name of her agency, there was nothing popping up when she first started working with us because the agency she had acquired, they didn't do anything. There was just nothing going on. So she wanted to make sure that she was one, building up awareness. And then two, credibility was really important for her. So because credibility was one of her goals, we were going after major outlets that would provide that credibility. So Forbes, CNN, Fox, Travel and Leisure. And with that, she was showing up on the first page of Google as well. So if you're typing in things like top travel finds or top travel luggages, something like that, like different keywords, they were giving her the first page of Google, which is awesome for visibility. And we know that 75% of people do not go past page one. So if you're working with us and you're really focused on visibility and brand awareness, we make sure that we're looking at listicles that are going to be showing up in page one based on the search terms that your customer is using to discover you. So we, uh, we approach it very strategically, right? Because like, for example, if someone is a business coach, I would say most people are not going to Forbes to discover business coaches. So although you might want to be featured in Forbes, if your goal is sales, I would say maybe Forbes is not the best place to be. If you're looking for credibility, yes, Forbes might be up to Forbes typically does not write about business coaches. So therefore, we might look at things like guest blogging on other business coaches um, websites or maybe guest blogging for different service providers, doing Instagram lives, doing podcasts. The approach is just going to be so different based on your business, your product, your goals, et cetera. What are some main goals that you recommend having? And obviously it's going to totally depend on like your business, but like, what are some main ones that you see where you're like, these are really good goals to have. And then obviously like once you hit that goal, you can pivot and shift. Yeah, absolutely. So typically we start with brand awareness because we do work with a lot of smaller brands who just don't have that brand awareness and visibility. So we typically start there and 
naturally, as you build up your brand awareness, the next goal is, well, we need to drive traffic to our website. We need yeah. to drive traffic to our email list. We need to really bump them from top of funnel to mid funnel. And then eventually it becomes sales. So I would say that's like the natural progression of how PR works with us from brand awareness to website traffic, email list growth to eventually sales. And I will say it typically takes some time to see sales from PR. I think a lot of people get disappointed when they sign up for PR and it's not like in month one, they're seeing five times ROI. It's just not how PR works because PR is top of funnel. And especially if you're going after larger publications, it can take so much time to land those features. But when you do land them, it is just such an incredible feeling. I love that. That was actually going to be my next question is like time span of, you know, what are you normally looking at? Like how long, like if someone's like, Hey, I want to dive into PR. Are you like six months minimum? Are you 12 months minimum? Like what does that time frame usually look like in terms of recommendations? That's a great question. Minimum six months because in the first month, whether you work with us or another agency, they're just researching and building out a PR plan for you. They really don't have enough information to turn around and start pitching you. So they're building out a PR plan. They're researching your company. Maybe in that first month, they're building up different media lists. So they're building different contact lists, whether it's for podcast hosts or for major media outlets or for Instagram lives or for influencers. That's happening in that first month. And then month two is typically when you're starting to get pitched. And then usually in month three, that's when you're starting to see some traction. And then by month six, you're like rocking and rolling and you do want to stay with your PR agency but it's just a really slow burn. The only time we've seen really quick results is when something relevant and timely happens that we can attach our clients to. So example, the Maui fires, having a client who works in emergency management, we were like, okay, automatically, this is such a no brainer. So we whipped up a pitch really quickly, sent it out to some of the top journalists who were covering that event. And then there was literally a point where it was within 48 hours. She had been interviewed and then featured. The article went live. But that I will say, like I'm saying this and I don't want anyone to be like, oh, that's like the norm. It's not the norm. However, you're more likely to get quick features with PR if you're keeping an eye on current events Mm. and figuring out how you can serve as a source for those current events. I love that. And something that you talked about too, where you're like, oh, you know, after six months, that's usually when you start seeing results. What are those metrics that you recommend someone looking at, or whether they're going to work with you or whether they're going to start doing it on their own or work with, I don't know, an, another agency? What are those things that people should be looking for to like see if it's actually working? And obviously, it's totally going to depend on the goal as well. But like, what are some metrics for like, I guess, each of the main goals that you were talking about from like brand awareness to sales? And also, my next question would be, how do you track those things? Because I think some of the things are not just like, as straightforward as like, oh, sales, like, obviously, like, do I have any sales coming in, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. You kind of already hit on this, but we love to attach KPIs with goals. And so there's certain KPIs that go with specific goals. Like for example, if your goal is to get more eyeballs on your business, you want more people to know about you, visibility, brand awareness, we're really looking at reach. Okay. And then from there, if we're talking about website traffic, we're literally looking at website traffic. We're looking at email list growth. We're seeing what articles people are coming from as you start to get featured. And we can easily find that on Google Analytics. In fact, any of your listeners, I would recommend if you don't already have Google Analytics, go ahead and download it now because it's not going to, like, it starts tracking the day you download it. 
It doesn't go back and track five years worth of information. So the sooner you can download it, the better the data will get over time. So make sure to download it and set it up for your website so you can start to track results, whether you're doing PR, or whether you're just kind of doing social media along with a few other things. Um, from there, when it comes to sales, right? Eventually people are like, well, I need to make more money for my business. We can do this in a couple of different ways. We can either kind of look at this on Google Analytics. We can look at this from different affiliate links that journalists are including in their articles. We can also simply ask at checkout, how did you hear about us? Ooh. So yeah, yeah. And that one is like a little bit more, um, that's like not a guarantee, right? Because somebody could go in and like not check anything. They could check the wrong box. But if you're really eager to figure out where people are getting from when they're in the sales process, then that's one way to do it is just set up that box on your website. And even if you provide a service, right? Because we have some people who, example, they have a luxury travel firm or they work in emergency management and they don't have a product people are clicking and buying, but they are taking sales calls. And when you take a sales call, either on your sales call intake form, you can ask how somebody heard about you, or you can simply ask in the beginning of your sales call to figure out what's working, what's not working. That's such a juicy little tip. And it's something too, where I love when people say things and I'm like, wait, like now that I'm like thinking about it, like I've actually seen other businesses do that. Cause like, I mean, even just I don't even know what the last thing was that I just purchased online, but I was thinking about how after I had checked out, it was for a product and that exact thing came up where it was like, you know, answer three questions. And like the first question was like, how did you hear about us? And like the next question was like, I don't know, would you recommend this to a friend? I don't know, something along those lines. And so like, I don't know, it's just so juicy because it's like so simple. And I see that as a consumer, but sometimes I just forget to actually implement that on like the business side of things. So I love that little tip there. Thank you so much. This is like wealth of knowledge on media pitching. I'm like, this is like the media pitching book of knowledge. (laughs) Um, Maybe I'll title the episode (laughs) that, but um, thank you so, so, so much. People are going to be thinking, how can I learn more from you? Because that's exactly what I'm thinking is I want to learn more. Um, Where can people find you? How can people connect with you? And um, how can also people check out the new product that you're going to be, that's going to be officially launched? Absolutely. So we're very active on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is Nate underscore the agency. And that's Nate with an N, not an M. A lot of people like they hear me say that and they go, do you exclusively do PR for meat products? And I'm like, no. Um, But if a meat brand wanted to throw some cash money my way, I would willingly promote the heck out of meat. So <laughs> if there are any meat brands listening, my um, DMs are open. My email is open. Please like call me, text me, have your people, contact my people. That's so, so funny. Anyways, neat underscore the agency. We also have neattheagency.com. I have my own podcast too, Serve Neat, where I serve up business, marketing, PR, sales tips and tricks every single Tuesday. Uh, We also have a product coming out that I'm very excited about. So we are launching a PR power play deck. It's all of our agencies, tips, theories, tricks, templates, all the things on how to get millions of eyeballs on your business. If you are a founder who is doing PR themselves, this is a must have. So you can either buy it before Black Friday when we go live, or you can put it to your Christmas list, send it to your business partner or significant other to pick it up for you. It's going to be $97. We're going to have a pre-sale list going up shortly. So you can actually buy the product for 10% off before it kind of goes live to the public. So that is coming soon. And we're very excited. 
In terms of our other services, if you're like, I am beyond the point of doing PR myself, I just want to pass it off and have somebody do it for us. Well, that is our bread and butter. And we are always accepting new clients. So make sure to visit our website and book a call with our team. Yay. I love it. Thank you so, so, so much for being here, for sharing your knowledge with us um, on media pitching. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I had a blast. Thanks for having me. Of course. If this episode has served you in any way, I'd love it if you shared what you've learned, any aha moments that you may have had, or something that you loved, and tag me on Instagram at Maya Nicole. And if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review so that we can continue to learn and grow together. Thank you so much for your support. I love you, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.